Welcome to Triangle 411, the pulse that moves the Triangle world today. It's a vibrant collection of stories, medical breakthroughs, what's trending, social good, events, and boundless other adventures. A conversation pit of comedians, authors, chefs, sports figures, experts, the common and the uncommon. Here's the host of Triangle 411, Mary Innsbrucker. Gentlemen, start your engines! friends. For more than 60 years, Charlotte Motor Speedway has set the standard for motorsports entertainment and evolved into America's home for racing. Nestled in the heart of NASCAR country, where many teams and drivers live, the iconic super speedway is the only race vacation destination where during the same weekend, Fans can immerse themselves in the sport by taking in an event at the legendary facility, visit race team shops, and explore the NASCAR Hall of Fame. In fact, thesportster.com ranked the track number four best just behind Talladega, Indianapolis, and Daytona. Generating a regional economic impact of approximately $450 million annually, and I'm going to tell you where some of that money comes from, the Speedway hosts premier NASCAR events each year, as well as more than three dozen other events for automotive and motorsports enthusiasts. Now, Again, that economic impact. Get this. Oh my gosh. Some of it comes from this, I know. During a typical race weekend, fans consume more than 34,000 slices of pizza, 9,000 gallons of soda and water, 13,000 feet of hot dogs, and 309,000 pounds of ice. I'm there. (laughs) Pizza, hot dog, I'm there. Here to talk with us about NASCAR and Charlotte Motor Speedway is Jonathan Coleman, Senior Director of Communications for the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Welcome, Jonathan. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. So let's begin with general info on the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Absolutely, yeah. Charlotte Motor Speedway was built in 1960, um, a, a long, long before Exit 49 off of Interstate 85 was was even a consideration. Uh, but the the idea, our founder Bruton Smith wanted to create a purpose-built racetrack to run the world's first uh, 600-mile NASCAR race. So he uh, was a, was a budding promoter and had promoted other races around uh, smaller tracks around Charlotte, but but wanted to do something on his own. So he set out to build Charlotte Motor Speedway and uh, and and run that historic race. Now, 62 years later, every Memorial Day weekend, we bring the Coca-Cola 600 back, and it's just one of a bevy of activities that we've got uh, throughout the year here at America's Home for Racing. Okay, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But but first, Triangle 411 likes to go behind the scenes as well as discover the little knowns about the topics we cover. So let's visit some now with some Charlotte Motor Speedway fun facts. And here we go. President George Washington ate lunch and rested in a house that was once served as the Speedway's offices. What can you share about that story? 
prior to uh, building the Speedway, this was a, a plantation property, a working plantation, uh, and, and the main house on the property actually still existed when Bruton Smith bought the facility uh, back in, in 1960. And so they actually, um, the as you know, you learn of the property and everything else, he came to learn that as George Washington was passing through, uh, he he stopped and ate lunch, rested for a bit, and and continued on his way. Um, so there was there was so much history that we actually maintained the facility or maintained that house for several years, and it served uh, for the as the Speedway's ticket office and souvenir shop for a number of years in in the early part of our history. George Washington sure got around. <laughs> <laughs> you hear about him all over the place, but that's a really cool fact. You're right. So so here's another. Did you know? Charlotte Motor Speedway became the first modern super speedway to host night racing in 1992, and the speedway set a Guinness World Record. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, one of the things that, that we really pride ourselves on is is trying to push the envelope and, and be innovative in the sports world. Uh, and, and to that end, one of our proud moments was when we hosted the, the 1992 All-Star Race. Uh, was the first time ever that NASCAR had run at night on a speedway that was as large as Charlotte Motor Speedway. So there are a lot of technical challenges, as you could imagine, that would come along with, you know, drivers that are driving 150, 160 miles an hour at night. Uh, so we actually commissioned a lighting company to put in a $1.2 million customized lighting system uh, to, to illuminate the speedway and uh and, and run that first race under the lights. Uh and and you know, through the years I guess that sort of spirit of innovation and, and creativity has, has always been something that drove us. So uh for the uh in oh I have to look back, two thousand eleven, um we installed the world's largest H D T V. So it actually stands eighty feet tall and two hundred feet wide on our backstretch. So, you know, obviously folks that are familiar with NASCAR, when you're watching on TV, you get lots of in-car camera footage, you get lots of stats and updates. We wanted those fans that were joining us at the race to be able to have that same TV experience. So we built this 16,000 square foot HD TV that at the time was the largest HD TV in the world to be able to provide that extra bit of entertainment and added value for the race fans. Uh, fun fact of that is actually one of our sister tracks down at Texas Motor Speedway. They say everything is bigger in Texas. <laughs> they actually came in behind us a few years later and built one that was just a little bit bigger. So they actually are, are uh, the ones that took the record from us. Oh, <laughs> they, leave it to Texas. <laughs> just a little <laughs> bit, just a little bit. Well, you got to admire their gumption. Um, now, this was kind of cool. I did not know. I guess other people probably do. And I and I wish I knew a corporation or had belonged to one that did this because corporations such as Lowe's Home Improvement and Coca-Cola and Nationwide have rented the Speedway to film television commercials or to entertain employees and clients with feud music and race car rides. And then also some motion, some motion picture history is going on. That's right. Yeah, I I think one of the biggest misconceptions of Charlotte Motor Speedway is is that we race NASCAR weekends a couple of weekends out of the year 
and then we take the rest of the year off. But nothing could be further from the truth. We have um, have all sorts of opportunities and and uh, entertainment that that go on throughout the year. Uh, you know, whether that's fan facing car shows, drag races, you know, other smaller series that come in and race. Or because Charlotte is very much the heart of NASCAR and because so many of the race teams are, are based within about an hour, an hour and a half drive of Charlotte, um, a lot of film productions, commercial productions, uh, and, and also movie productions, uh, take place, you know, right here at, at the racetrack. So all the way back in the late sixties, we actually had Elvis Presley himself, uh, in, in the movie Speedway, parts of which were filmed out here. And, um, you know, in the years since, we've hosted Tom Cruise and Day, for Days of Thunder, Will Ferrell and Talladega Nights. And uh, if you're a country music fan and, and you know uh, Tracy Lawrence's music, If the Good Die Young, his music video was, was filmed here at the Speedway as well. Um, and, and really not just even filming, you know, we've, we've also hosted, uh, back in 2006, I think everyone is familiar with the, uh, the, the Pixar film Cars. Um, we, we hosted the world premiere of the original Cars movie with about 30,000 fans, uh, that, that came out and watched the movie here at the Speedway alongside some of the stars of the movie, Paul Newman, Owen Wilson, Bonnie Hunt, and, and of course, Larry the Cable Guy. So uh, a, a lot that goes on, a lot of fun and, and entertainment to be had here at the Speedway, for sure. For sure. You don't even have to be into car racing. You can get some fun times out that way. So so let, let's continue a little bit with any interesting traditions or superstitions or anything like that that you might know of. You know, it's really interesting. I think um, drivers and, and pit crew guys can can certainly be superstitious. I think, uh, especially if they win one week, they want to try to replicate and do everything the same week. Um, you know, but it, it's always neat to be down in the garage and, and hear the drivers talking about. You know, they may have a race day meal that's one of their you know must must do traditions, or you know, some of them even put their put their fire suits on and they always have to put one arm in first or they have to put their helmet on before they put the fire suit on or, or whatever the case may be. So um, a, a lot of superstition when you talk about the competitive nature of, of these race car drivers being 40 of the very best in the world. Um, you know, they've, they've got to, uh, they've got to do anything and everything they can to mentally and, and physically give themselves that advantage on the racetrack. Now, Jonathan, what would you describe as the most singular, impactful moment in racing history that happened at the track? A lot of great moments, I think. You know, whether you talk about the first and, and only 600-mile race, that, that is really the reason the racetrack was here to begin with, uh, with the Coca-Cola 600, or you look much more recently at, in 2018 when we debuted uh, a, a innovative new Roval course, which actually integrates the majority of our traditional oval course along with a little bit of a, a tighter, more technical infield portion. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of moments that, that have made Charlotte Motor Speedway such an iconic facility. But I think if you, if you really, you know, force me to pick one, I would, uh, I would go back to 1992 and that, that race under the lights. And, and I say that because it was really bigger than Charlotte Motor Speedway. You know, the, the idea of creating this entirely new lighting system and, and putting on a race in prime time 
was exciting for the fans that were here. The race itself, some of the big names in our sport, uh, Kyle Petty was racing alongside Dale Earnhardt Jr. on the final lap. Mm-hmm. They got together and Dale Earnhardt Jr. spun out and Davey Allison actually came from third place to win the race right at the finish line. Yeah. Just a hugely exciting finish, but also what it meant for the sport beyond that. Suddenly other tracks realized we can put lights up and we can run in prime time. And that opened up a new opportunity for new audiences to see NASCAR on TV in prime time and suddenly helped really build the sport and grow the sport. So I would think that would be probably our, our most pivotal uh, moment if I had to, had to pick one out of our long history. That makes sense. Now, let me ask you this. Did Texas put in more lights than we have? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a, great, that's a great question. Texas was actually modeled very similar. It was, it was built in the mid-'80s, uh, but it was modeled very similarly to Charlotte Motor Speedway. Um, but, but I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say we still hold that record. We still hold the – we have one or two more light bulbs probably around the track than they do. <laughs> Now, just just in brief, you know, what's what's the day in the life look like for a pit crew member? Yeah, it's it's uh, you know, I think drivers and drivers and crews uh, in, in general sometimes catch a little bit of flack as as not being athletes, um, you know, because you sit in a car and you drive all day. All, all of us can drive a car. Right. Um, you know, but but when you think about the precision and how every split second and every fraction of a second matters. These guys spend a lot of their time training and preparing to do their job. So from the pit crew perspective, it actually is a lot of former college athletes, uh, you know, who come out to be the jack man or the tire carrier or the fuel carrier. And so they'll spend their day just like they did back in college when they were in the weight room getting ready for the football game. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to maintain that peak physical form, and, and because it has gotten so competitive, they'll also actually do practice pit stops throughout the week so that they can really try to to shave off every little bit here and there. You know, you're talking about four tires, a full tank of gas, and, and often some other very minor adjustments in a matter of 12 to 13 seconds for wow. some of these fastest teams. So it's really, pit crew guys would hate me saying this, but it's almost like watching a ballet when you see sort of the rhythm, you know, everybody has a part to play and everybody has to be in in sync as they jump over the wall and go change the tires and refuel and do everything else to make sure that they're not slowing that process down because they know every little slip could cost their driver a position at the end of the race. Mm-hmm. I think ballet is a great way to describe it. Um, you know, we had Christmas Abbott on the show. She was one of the contestants on the Big Brother TV show. And somehow yeah. or other, she did a pit crew thing. I don't know if it was just, a, I don't know, certainly not in a major race because that's the professionals. But she was saying how arduous it was and, <laughs> you know, really knocks you out. So I, I get what you're saying about being in good shape and being athletic for that kind of role. Yes, most most definitely, and and 
I don't remember off the top of my head if she was. I think she may have. I think she may have pitted a couple of times in in some of the, the lower series. So NASCAR has the Cup Series, which is kind of the major league, and then the Xfinity Series, which is sort of a a minor league feeder into um and, and the Truck Series as well. So I, I think she may have pitted uh, in in either the Truck or the Xfinity Series. I, I'll have to look that one up because mm-hmm. I don't remember that off the top of my head, but. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, uh, you know, peak physical form and uh, and a ton of concentration and and occasionally a little bit of luck too. That's got to get you uh, everything you need to to win and and make the most of it. Okay, so you mentioned some of the races, and I want to talk about that because CMS hosts the NASCAR Cup Series, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, as well as other events. But we have something coming up here, so let's talk about number 62 running of the Coca-Cola 600, NASCAR's toughest test of man and machine, they say. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that race as far as history or challenges or something like that? Absolutely. NASCAR's toughest test of man and machine. That's a, that's a good PR tagline, I think, for sure. Um, I probably you know, the... stole it from you, to be frank. <laughs> I don't come I up with take... this stuff myself. I, I won't to do take a lot credit of for it, but I should. Um, <laughs> no, I, you know, the, the original idea back in 1960 was, was, you know, what can we do to challenge the drivers? And at, at that point in time, most of the races were between Three and five hundred miles, and uh, so so Bruton Smith said, "Let's tack on an extra hundred miles." And uh, you know, the the first the World Six Hundred, as it was originally called, uh, was was first run in in June of 1960, just as quick as he could get the track built because he was so excited about it. Um, but, but through the years, it has prevailed as as really one of NASCAR's crown jewel events. Because it is different, there there are no longer races on the on the schedule. It's the only the only time that that the cars have to go through 600 miles, which doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when you think about just the, the wear and tear on a car through the course of a race that's now going you know 190 almost 200 miles an hour, um, you know that's all of this equipment is is designed and and manufactured to perform at peak efficiency for most of the year for 500 miles at a time. So you've got, you know, you've got to be a little bit extra careful as a driver to take care of your equipment and make sure it's going to last that extra 100 miles. And then a piece of that equipment, the driver himself, uh, you know, has to, has to be that much more physically prepared to, to run an extra 100 miles, an extra, you know, 45 minutes on the racetrack. Um, and, and, you know, those cars get to be 130 degrees in the cockpits and they're wearing head to toe fire suits to protect themselves. It, it really can be a, a big challenge on the driver to, uh, you know, stay hydrated and grab a water when they come into the pits and get the tires changed to, to prepare themselves ahead of time, both mentally and physically for the toll it's going to take. Uh, and, and so it, it truly does live up to that, that name of, uh, the toughest test of man and machine. This NASCAR Cup series is based on a points system. Can you explain that a little bit? So there are 40 drivers, uh, in, in each race. And throughout the course of the season, they have 36 races. So if you think of the races being divided into two parts, the regular season is about 26 races. 
uh, and then they have a 10 race playoff at the end of the season. So depending on where you finish in each race during the regular season, you're awarded points. So for simplicity's sake, we'll just say first place gets 40 points and second place 39 and so on and so forth. When you get to the end of the season and you get down to those last 10 races, the top 16 drivers, whether they have won a race or whether they get in on points, they take the 16 best drivers. And while 40 race all of those remaining 10 races, 16 of those 40 are in contention for the championship. So it it really is, you have to be consistent throughout the year to kind of amass all of those points so that you can be in the running there for the championship at the end of the season in those last 10 races. Oh, thanks for explaining that. Um, So now, specific to your Speedway, what can fans expect to experience if they attend the Coca-Cola 600? The Coca-Cola 600 really is a tradition unlike anything else. It, It is Memorial Day weekend every year. So in addition to a NASCAR race, uh, as NASCAR, we consider ourselves to be, to have a very patriotic fan base. So we, we consider ourselves very fortunate to have the opportunity to bring together the military and the NASCAR community on Memorial Day weekend, the official kickoff to summer to really just have a big party. And at the end of the day, we want fans to come out and enjoy themselves and, and just, you know, whether it's, on a traditional year, and things are a little different in, in COVID times, on a traditional year, we would open up our fan zone first thing in the morning, and the fan zone is right out in front of the speedway. You think of kind of your county fair on steroids. We've got games and activities, displays, souvenir merchandise haulers, so you can come out and, and enjoy this festival atmosphere um, you know, around lunchtime, shortly after lunchtime, we'll open the gates to the grandstands and fans can go into the grandstands, go down into the infield and actually see the cars parked along pit road. We'll usually have a pre-race concert where we'll have a big name act that comes out and, and provides some, some entertainment throughout the afternoon. The whole idea of that being by the time you sit down in your seat to start the race, you're exhausted and feel like you've gotten your money's worth. If we've done our job right, you've already, you've already covered the cost of your ticket before we even drop the green flag on the race. Uh, and then actually Sunday of Memorial Day weekend is, is considered the greatest day in racing because there are, there are two races around the world that, that precede the Coca-Cola 600. There's the Monaco Grand Prix and then the Indianapolis 500 that are also raced on the same day. Um, so a lot of the times we'll put the race up on the big screen TV and fans can watch the other races from, from Monaco or from Indianapolis. Uh, and then as all of that pomp and circumstance sort of winds down, we kick up a huge pre-race salute to the troops where we bring in representation from all of the branches of the military, um, and, and just do our very best to, to honor and, uh, and pay tribute to, to all of those men and women who serve. And then if you still got any energy left, we'll drop the green flag and, and go racing for the toughest test of man and machine. <laughs> wow, that all sounds so exciting. And yes, to all our vets, thank you for your service. Absolutely. So what about tickets? And, uh, you know, I'm talking to a lot of folks about a lot of things, and we've got all these COVID restrictions coming on. So tell people how they can get tickets and anything they have to be aware as far as COVID. 
Yeah, I, I think for the for the COVID piece, um, obviously, like everyone else, that one is is a fluid and and changing situation. Uh, we, you know, we go day by day and and executive order by executive order. Um, you know, I think most important to us is is making sure we put on an event where fans feel safe, uh, and, and you know, we want them to not have to worry about you know, health concerns, anything like that. We want them to, to only worry about having fun and enjoying themselves at the racetrack. Um, but we are in, in near constant communication with state and local officials on, uh, you know, their, their best guidance and their best recommendations. Um, so, you know, currently we're sitting at 50% capacity restrictions, uh, for the Coca-Cola 600 weekend. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to monitor, you know, and, and if the state changes that, we'll, we'll continue to uh, follow their guidance and, and do the very best we can. I think the most important thing from a fan perspective would just be to, uh, to check out our website www.charlottemotorspeedway.com and we'll have all of the latest up there on you know what those protocols may be in place in terms of social distancing and masks and temperature checks anything like that that may be required uh, but you can also find all of our our full schedule of events NASCAR or otherwise and uh, ticket information uh, all there on the website. Okay, fantastic. Well, thanks so much for for being here. It's been very informative and entertaining, and I appreciate your time. Well, thank you for having us. I appreciate you uh, giving us the chance to come on and, and talk a little bit about it. Time for our nonprofit spotlight. I thought we'd stick with the car theme for our nonprofit this show and feature, and this goes with the veteran uh the Veterans Day support that the track is doing, too. Uh, it's called Vehicles for Veterans. Nearly 21 million veterans live in America, many of whom have been disabled in service to their country. Vehicles for Veterans is a car donation program benefiting disabled veterans and other veteran programs. You can donate your car, truck, motorcycle, SUV, RV, or boat to support the advocating for and empowering of our nation's men and women who were injured in battle. A donation to Vehicles for Veterans is tax-exempt, and they offer you an opportunity to help veterans all over the United States, including Charlotte, But for information to donate anywhere across the United States, go to vehiclesforveterans.org. Vehiclesforveterans.org. And again, we thank all veterans for their service. Now time for the Cary 150th Anniversary Spotlight. So much going on. Did you know that Kerry is turning 150 years old in 2021? Tune in to Kerry meetings throughout 2021 to hear History Moment, created in celebration of this year. These short presentations will focus on a theme each month and highlight the people, places, and interesting facts that have created Kerry. Past and current historical moments are available on the website as well, which is carry150.org. Carry150.org. 
www.thecelebrationcenter.org. Everyone is encouraged to get involved with the celebration. Well, it's time to high-five and say goodbye. Keep listening here or at our website, triangle411.buzzsprout.com, to join in the laughter with YouTube sensation, the Holderness family, right here out of Raleigh. That's where they are, but they bring entertainment worldwide. They are just so much fun, so you want to catch that show. Or listen to the crack of the bat time with the storied Durham Bulls. Did you know at one time before it was mechanical, they had to use a rope to sway the home run bull's tail? Oh, all kinds of interesting again behind the scenes. So that's another that's another goodie to tune into. I'm Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. Today, dot, 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 keep on trucking.